you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Good morning, good morning again. You can take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 21 to 29 this morning. Wow. That was, that was very, very good, Jay. And, and I'll tell you what, anytime Pastor Randy offers to pray, I'm going to say yes. So he has the gift of intercession and God uses him a lot uh, in my life when he prays and so, thank you, Randy. So we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for three and a half months, and uh, we're clo- closing that up today, um, finishing it up. Uh, so Jesus is getting ready to come down off the mountain, and his words that he spoke up there have impacted the world ever since. And uh, they're they're amazing. I'm sure that as he began to travel around in his ministry, he repeated those often. But we have these words preserved for us, and as we read them in Matthew, you know, it, if you think about it, this is an incredible book that we have, isn't it? Because these these words still today touch us right where we live, right where we work and move and have our being. It's a spiritual book. And so by reading and praying through it, God speaks to us and he changes us and he uses us for the kingdom of God. So I can't tell you how grateful I am that he's called me to preach it. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that you're here to hear it and you're joining us online. So I have a message today entitled Authenticating Your Shine. So let's read these verses in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, boy, we thank you for this word. Such a treasure it is in our life and such an encouragement, such a solid foundation. 
We pray our hearts would be open to it this morning, that your spirit would speak to us just what we need to hear for this moment in our lives. Thank you for your faithfulness, for the promises that surround your word that when it goes out, it never returns void. So bear fruit in us today, Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the things that I don't like a whole lot about our world today, and and I'm not going to say masks, even though that's one thing I don't like. Um, But one thing that I don't like today is how many passwords I have to remember. So I've given up trying to remember them, and I started using a piece of software that remembers them for me. And to get into that piece of software, you know what I have to do? I have to put in a password. But I only have to remember one password, and then it remembers all the others for me. So now the problem that I have got is that all of my passwords are not in my password remembering software. So when I get on a website and I'm trying to log in, a lot of times I get thrown into this authenticating process. And I have to go back to these dreaded security questions, you know, that, that pop up there. And, and they're questions that I answered sometime many moons ago. And I'm like, I don't know what my mother's aunt's middle name is. I don't, I don't know what my first make and model of my son's car was, who my favorite teacher was in the fourth grade. I didn't even know I had a favorite teacher. So I'm picking these security questions, and I'm always trying to pick a question that only has one answer in my life, because you cannot answer what is your favorite food with one food. It's, it's just not, it is not possible. And you cannot answer, you know, uh, who would you want to sit down and have a five-minute conversation with? You know, you can't answer that the same because it changes from week to week for me. I mean, sometimes that's just my wife, you know. Well, Jesus' final words here and the response of the crowd, they are going to bring us into an authenticating process for our shine. And getting the answers correct to his questions, to these questions, will change your life. Authenticating your shine will bring a, an assurance to your life, that it is in very good hands, um, in the hands of Jesus. So the first question is this, for your shine, does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know me? That's your question. Does Jesus know me? We have this cross stitch at home that's up on our wall that says, Jesus knows me, this I love. I love that cross stitch. A yes answer to this question means that your light is an authentic light, and that your future is secure in Jesus' hands. Here's why. In verses 21 to 23, Jesus describes people who are not really disciples. They look like like disciples, they sound like disciples, but they're really not authentic. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So those words are describing the present day that, that they were in. Imposters will call Jesus Lord, but their lives will not demonstrate that they are following him in their life. So they'll be left out of the kingdom. And then in verse 22, Jesus times, time warps us to judgment day. Did you know that judgment day is the last day that will ever exist? Because after that day, time doesn't exist. It's eternity. 
So judgment day is often called the Lord's day or the day. And Jesus says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? So this might be a little confusing because there's going to be people there on that great and terrible day who say, Lord, Lord, but they refused entrance into the kingdom because they didn't do God's will in their life. Now, those people, Jesus says, there are going to be many of them. They will stand before Jesus and they will argue with him that they should be led into the kingdom. Jesus, didn't we speak for you? Didn't we show up? Uh, Didn't we show your power over evil? Didn't we do amazing things all in your name? All of those things sure sound like works that would be in the will of God. Works that were done to bring attention to Jesus. When Jesus refuses to let them into the kingdom, they will defend themselves. They will say, but look at everything we did for you. And that is precisely the problem. The works really weren't for Jesus, they were for themselves. Even though they were done in Jesus' name, even though they demonstrated the power of God, even though God bore fruit through those works, works are worthless at the entrance to the kingdom when they are done by people who are not authentic disciples. In verse 23, Jesus tells us what he'll say to those people. These are words that you never want to hear. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now think about who Jesus is speaking to. People who have a knowledge of who he is. People who are working for the kingdom of God and are bearing fruit. People who knew what to say, knew what to do, and knew how to do it. People who go to church, people who share the gospel, people who would do the good that they want done to them. People who serve in the nursery, people who help their neighbor, who pray in restaurants before their meals. These are the people who knew about Jesus, but Jesus didn't know them. So there's a twofold description that we've got here of people who will enter the kingdom of God. Those people that Jesus knows and those people who did the will of God in their life. So how do you know If Jesus knows you. I think we often talk about, do I know Jesus? But have we ever asked the question, does Jesus know me? Now, in one way, Jesus knows everyone, right? He's the almighty God. He has, he is, he's the all-knowing God. He is, he is sovereign, so he knows all people. But, that's not the kind of knowing he's going to be talking about on Judgment Day. The Greek word there for knowing that he uses is to recognize. To understand. And so there's a connection in this knowing. There's, this is the kind of knowing between good friends. The kind of knowing that involves trust. So think about the question again. Does Jesus know me? You know, we, all, we talk a lot about um, having a relationship with Jesus is different than having a religion based on Jesus. And so when we look at relationships, we can, we can get an idea of the kind of knowing relationship we can have with the Lord. In 2014, our church wanted to meet our neighbors. And so we decided to have a special service in, in November uh, called a Connection Sunday. 
And in the Saturdays in October, groups of us went out into the neighborhoods surrounding our church, knocked on doors, gave them an invitation to this special service, say, hey, we're your neighbors. We just want to get to know you. We want you to come. And so we went over here in this, in this uh, neighborhood called Austin Trace, just to the south of our church. And uh, I think at the time when we did that, I knew one person who lived in there and is, is another pastor. So we knocked on all those doors, and uh, because we did that, now I know two people in that neighborhood. One of our invitations found its way to Jim and Kathy Yuri. And they happened to be on the hunt for a, ch- a church home uh, back then when, when, we, when we did that. And so six years later, now we have some amazing friends in Jim and Kathy Yuri. They've been such a blessing to our church, such a blessing to our family. I would say Jim, being one of our elders, he knows me better than most people know me. I trust him with my heart. I trust him with my hurts and my struggles. You know, if I went into Austin Trace today... And I knocked on all the doors. There's only one door that's going to let me in. That other pastor, he won't let me in. There's only one door that's going to let me in, have me sit down and have a conversation and probably some cookies. And that's Jim and Kathy's house. Because they now know me. They know me. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus is making a knowing invitation to the people of Laodicea, the church there. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I love that invitation. <laughs> I, I love that invitation. It is, a, it is an opening up the door to your life and inviting Jesus in to know him and him to know you. Now, there's different levels of knowing, you know. In our relationships, we, you know, all relationships don't go all the way to a deep level of knowing. The first kind of level is a social knowing, you know, where we get our phone out and we say, these are my pictures that I want to show you. This is who I want you to know me to be. So we're in control of the knowing. But then for some people, we move to another level and it's more of a personal knowing where, you know, we're getting a little deeper. We allow a little act, more access into our life, into our Monday to, to Sunday, you know, every day kind of, of, of a personal knowing. This is the good friends kind of knowing. But, you know, there's an even deeper level than that. And it's an intimate knowing. That Greek word that Jesus used there for knowing, it also means, get this, to have sexual relations with. So there's an intimacy involved in the kind of knowing that we can have with Jesus. It's the kind of husband and wife kind of knowing, the naked and unashamed kind of knowing. Does Jesus know me? Does Jesus know me? Now to get authenticated at the gates of the kingdom, you don't have to be on level 100 of knowing. You just have to be on level 1. The knowing invitation Jesus makes today that he made back then to, to Re, in Revelation to Laodicea, it's still good today. He's still making that invitation today. He's on a mission. He's on a mission to save and to seek and to save those who are lost. And so he's knocking on doors all the time. And if you, if you ask yourself this question, does Jesus know me? And you do not have the confidence to say yes, then start at level one. 
and open the door to your heart. And let Jesus into your life. He's waiting for you to open it. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you have done. All of that does not matter. Jesus is knocking at the door of your life and he wants to come in. He doesn't want to come in for just a Sunday service. He doesn't want to come in just for a five-minute devotion in the morning. He wants to come in for a 24-7 walking, talking, daily walk with him through life. That's the kind of knowing that we're talking about. And when you open your life up to him like that, when you trust him with your true self, all your junk, all your mess, everything changes. Everything changes. And he's waiting for you to do that. Does Jesus know me? That's the first question. And you've got to answer it to, to authenticate your shine. The second question is this. Am I building on him? Am I building on him? In verses 24 to 27, Jesus moves on into his conclusion to his sermon with this parable. It's a, it's a word picture. And, you know, it's, it's such a powerful word picture. Songs have been written about this. You remember the song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. The rain came down. The flood came. Remember that song? If you don't, you missed out. Powerful words, but simple words. I mean, they're simple enough that a child can understand it. If a house is not built on a solid foundation and the storms come, it's not going to be very good for that house. No one is going to argue that. It's when we start to define what a solid foundation is and the decisions you have to make based on what Jesus is telling you here. And that's when things get interesting. Let's read through that again. Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will like a wise man who will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell in great was the fall of it. So there's two builders in this little parable. One wise, one foolish. And the difference between the two was that one builder heard the words of Jesus and then he did them. So the wise one believed Jesus, believed his words, and and the trust that he had in those words proved out by his obedience to them. The foolish builder, he also heard Jesus' words. But instead of putting them into practice, he built on someone else's wisdom, maybe his own, maybe some expert that he talked to. But consequently, um, one, one guy's house stood the storms that came, and the other guy's house went splat, as the song goes. You know, during sunny days, everybody's house looks good, doesn't it? Everybody's house looks strong during the fair weather. Everybody's house stands. But when the skies turn black, and as, as they will for everyone, when the storm comes, that's when everything gets tested. That's when you find out who you are believing in. That's when you find out what you are counting on. So when life gets more than you can handle, which happens a lot today, doesn't it? When life gets more than you can handle... How does your heart respond? What, who do you run to? Or what do you run to for comfort, for relief? 
You know, it was a few weeks back, there was a lady who stopped by the church and she needed some help. She needed some food. And I said, I think I can help you with that. So we went shopping at Meyer. I said, make a grocery list. And and then and and then uh, I said, well, let's, you know, we walk. I followed her around Meyer, and you know, she was getting all the groceries she needed. And when we came to the outside, I just told her, I said, this is because Jesus loves you. And I don't I don't know how you're doing with all this stuff in your life, but whatever you're running to for comfort, I want you to first run to the Bible, and just seek His help in the Word. And that's all I said to her. It was pouring down rain, so I didn't want to keep her long. What are you running to when things get tough? Who do you run to when things get difficult? Does anxiety come and just cripple you when you start to do your day? Does fear come and make you make bad decisions or make you make no decisions? Does disappointment overwhelm you to anger or to despair? You know, when your life is built on Jesus and His words, you may experience some of that, but you won't stay there forever. Your house, listen, your house is going to feel the storm. You know, it, it says, you know, the, the storm came and it beat on the house. So, you know, the wind's going to move you. The water might leak through the roof. The rain might seep under the windows a little bit. And for a season, you might be down. And it might be a long season. But eventually, you'll bubble back up because your life is founded on Jesus. You know, at the end of Acts, Paul is on a ship. And he's in the middle of a storm. And he's praying. I mean, it's bad. The ship's, the ship's at risk. And so the... He's praying and God gives him a promise that everybody on the ship would survive the storm. So the leadership on the ship said, hey, this storm's so bad, we need to scuttle the ship and we need to get into the boats, the rowboats, the, the lifeboats. And Paul says, listen, if you, if you get off this ship, I can't guarantee that you're going to make it. But if you stay on here, I got a promise from God, you'll survive. You remember what happened? The ship went down. But everybody on the ship made it to shore. And that may happen in your life as a believer. Because our life is not in the abundance of our possessions. Our life is what Jesus gives us. And everything might come crashing down. But you will not come crashing down. You will fall on the rock. He will lift you back up. He is our stronghold. We don't have any reason to be afraid. So you're going to feel the storm. So the question is, am I building my life on Jesus? What, what does that look like, to build your life on Jesus? Well, When you think about building a life, there's all kinds of advice. There's all kinds of experts that you can run to. There's religious experts. There's health experts. Uh, there's wealth experts. Education, political experts, retirement experts, lots of experts. But the trouble is, none of them is experts on life. None of them could be called the architect of life. Now, Jesus, we could certainly give that title to, couldn't we? That he is the architect of life. And so we're talking about building a life. So the first thing you've got to do is make sure you're meeting with the architect. The architect is the one who knows building codes, who knows building structures, 
who knows building design, all of that stuff. Jesus is the architect of life. we got to be going to Jesus and meeting with him to find out how we should be building this thing called life. Coming to church regularly is a way to meet with the architect. Getting together with other believers is a way to do that. Meeting in your small group. Got to be hearing the words of Jesus, the words he has for how, if we're going to know how to build. And then the next thing is, we got to build by the blueprints that he gives us. You know, in my experience with blueprints, we change them. You know, we get this, we get this, whatever we're building, you know, a house or whatever, and we want, we want a bigger closet in the bedroom, or we want a more room in the kitchen, or we want a door here, or a window there. So we change the blueprints, right? But, you know, when it comes to building a life, we can't do that. And Jesus, the architect of life, has given us the blueprints for how to build right here. This is how we want to build our life. And we need to follow those blueprints. And, and, and I've been saying, it's an amazing book. We've got instructions for life on, on just about every area of our life, if not our whole life. Health, money, marriage, family, career, church, education, success, purpose, time. All of those things. It's It's amazing. Now, what separated the two builders was not the hearing of the word. It was the doing of it. And James is, was Jesus' brother, James, wrote a book called James. And he got the message. He wrote in James chapter 1, verses 22 and 24, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, What it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So the word of God, it's like a mirror for our life. And when we go and we look in it, it reflects back an image of of who we truly are and who God calls us to be. And so the foolish builder looks at those blueprints and says, okay, that's one opinion. And then goes about not building by them. The Sermon on the Mount has cast this vision for our Christian life. On how to shine for God. How to love God with all your heart. And how to love your neighbor. How to shine for the kingdom. So to be, a wise, and, and, uh, to be wise and grow as a believer. What we want to do is put skin on the vision. We want to bring it to life in our life. And that's exactly what Jesus did. When you go on and, and read in Matthew chapter 8. He had two encounters Matthew tells us about. A leper and a Roman centurion. When Jesus reaches out and touches the leper, he is putting skin on the vision of his words that what, of what judgment looks like. And when he reaches out and helps a Roman centurion, he is putting skin on the vision of this is how you love your enemies. He's showing them. He's modeling it with his life. So we've heard a lot of Jesus' words Over the last three and a half months, he's given us this divine insight into our mission as Christians and our relationship with God and others. He's addressed so much. He's addressed our spiritual disciplines of prayer and giving and fasting. He's covered character issues, integrity issues, peacemaking, finances, worry, anger, purity. We've heard all of these words. How's it going? Building your life on them. Would your obedience authenticate your shine? Now, anytime you build something, something official. We built a shed in my backyard one time, 
and this wouldn't count as that kind of building. That, that wouldn't. But when we built the church, we had, a, had to have inspectors come. You know, and they inspected the foundation, and they inspected the rough-in, and then they inspected the finished product, and they put their stamp of approval on it. Well, in, in Jesus' parable, the weather was the inspector of the houses being built. And for us, trials are the inspector of our building. And Jesus is saying, if you hear my words and put them into practice, if you trust me to do what I say, your life is going to withstand the trials and trouble that the world throws at it. You know, we've been in so far five, six, seven months now of this crazy virus. This virus is a trial in our life. And I know as we move into cold and flu season, every cough, sneeze, and sniffle, there's going to be this, uh-oh, <laughs> do I need to get a test? That's just the world we're living in right now. And then, you know, you add on to that the election, hurricanes, wildfires, riots and, riots and violence, high unemployment, gloomy economic outlook, and you start thinking about revelation kind of stuff. Is your life holding up under the trial? Are you secure because you've been building on the solid foundation of Jesus? If not, there is no reason why this can't be the day that you walk away from that one building and you start building a new one. All you got to do is open up the Bible and do the next thing you know to be right in your life. It's that simple. Are you building on Jesus? The last question for authenticating our shine is do you bow to Jesus? You bow to him. The sermon has now ended in verses 28 and 29. Matthew tells us how the people responded to Jesus and what they heard. He says, and when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So the difference between the way Jesus was teaching and the way the scribes taught was a scribe would say, this is what God says. And Jesus would say, Truly, truly, I say to you. Totally different tone. And he said that 15 times in the Sermon on the Mount, if I counted correctly. People could tell he wasn't like the other teachers that they'd been hearing. He he spoke with authority. So what place did Jesus' words have in your life? In our culture, the ultimate authority over you is you in our culture. That's how we're living. Truth is not truth for everybody. You can have your truth. I can have my truth based on whatever we wish. You know, um, two weeks ago now, Labor Day, was that two weeks ago? We drove... Uh, with Gavin down to Texas and dropped him off down there. Um, And so on Tuesday of that week, we said our goodbyes. We were on uh, the campus of TCU. And uh, so we, uh, Lori and I got back in the car and and we left. And I pulled into the gas station, fill up and get coffee. And when I was checking out, there was an Indian behind the counter and he was... He was a pretty neat personality. I mean, he was 
really engaging everyone that would come up and check out, you know, wanting to talk. Big smile on his face, you know, very positive guy. So I got up there, and I'm not at the moment very positive. I'm kind of sad. And how you doing today? I'm, I'm fine. Didn't give him anything. But he kept looking at me. I mean, just looking at me, smiling, and he kept, he kept, you know, trying to get me to talk, trying to get me to engage. And so I bit. And he, Are you working hard today? I said, um, Yeah, man, I work hard every day. I'm a pastor. And he brightened up and he goes, Oh, I've learned so much from the pre- the preaching of your book. And he said, This is what I believe. There's three big things: knowledge. Wisdom and faith. And the first two determine the last one. And I said, well, that's really interesting. But where did the knowledge and faith, where did the knowledge and the wisdom come from? And then he got this big smile and he said, oh, you learned that from your preaching. He said, but this is what I believe. In other words, you've got your truth and I've got mine and neither the two shall meet. That's not how, as followers of Jesus, that we operate. We, we follow the blueprints of life, not just because they're wise, not just because it's the best way for us to live, but because of who wrote them. We submit to an almighty God who gave us this book. It is a spiritual book. It is the word of God. It is our authority. He is the architect of life. And that kind of attitude in our world today is very unpopular. You know, when you compare the world's ways to God's ways, we go opposite in a lot of ways. A lot of ways. Money, abortion, sexual morality, drunkenness, meaning of life, where we're headed, how we get there. All of those things, we diverge with what the world says. And so, you know, the best way when you think about this authenticating question Do I bow to him? The best way to answer that question is not when we're in church singing, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Because everyone's doing it. The best way to answer the question, do I bow to him, is when you are outnumbered by unbelievers. When you go to work. When you go to school. What happens when the unbelief is greater than your little light that you're shining? Does it tend to dim? Does it tend to get hidden under a bushel? I love the response of these people coming down off the mountain. They're amazed. They're astonished. They're marveling at Jesus' teaching. I mean, people could not get enough of him. But each one of them, at some point in their life, after coming down off the mountain, had to make a decision to bow to him. Otherwise, it was back to life as normal with a little inspiration to try and do better. Now, I want you to know that this series about shining your light, keep shining. It is not about you trying to do better, trying to work harder at being a Christian. This is about bowing the knee to the architect of life who wants to know you, who wants to do life with you. And use you. I think it's very safe for me to say that I believe there is a day in our country where our faith will no longer be tolerated. And it's coming. 
We've already been silenced in the marketplace for fear of losing our job. We've already been told to keep the church out of any public institution or face legal actions. We've already, been, we've already seen Christian businesses be attacked because they did not want to help people celebrate things that were immoral. We've already seen that. This country is not going to drift toward righteousness. It is going to run away from it. It's going to run away from it. And so there's a day coming when our faith is no longer going to be tolerated. We will be in a position someday, I believe, that we will be called to denounce Christ as our Savior and Lord or face the consequences. It's coming. Do not wait for that day to answer this question. Do I bow to him? In Revelation chapter 12, there's this war that's going on. And, you know, when, when you read that, your mind goes to when is it happening? Who is this? You know, all these different things. Well, I just want to bring it up to highlight two verses within it. And I'm going to start at the end. It's Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. It says, And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Those are who the devil, the dragon, is at war with. The dragon's easily identified as Satan in that chapter. And he is at war with the people of God, people who follow God's will and hold fast their testimony of Jesus. In other words, authentic believers. And then in verse 11, so you go back up in the chapter, there is a description of what victory looks like for believers. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So the victory over Satan was not won by us spilling our blood. It was won when Jesus spilt his blood, the Lamb of God. Our testimony is when we declare into the darkness, when we are outnumbered, that what Jesus did was for me, was for you. When we declare that, and then we say that we will never bow the knee to anyone else because of what he did. And right now, in our lives, our lives are not at risk to bow the knee but a relationship might be a marriage, a child, a friend. A job might be at risk. Your reputation might be at risk. People think we are foolish to believe the Bible is true. People think we are bigots and hateful Because we follow what it says. So the next time you feel like one of these areas is at risk, a relationship, your reputation, something is at risk, to bow the knee, that's when you will answer this question. Do I bow to him? All you have to do is look where your knees are. 
and you will know. They did not love their life so much as to shrink back from death. They kept on shining. They kept on holding fast to their testimony about Jesus. Let me invite Jill and Jay back up. Do you have an authentic shine? Does Jesus know me? If there's no confidence in your heart that he does today, I tell you again, that invitation to come into your life is is wide open. He wants to know you. He's knocking at the door of, of your heart. It's a believing in who he is and what he's done, that it was for you. You take that step of faith in Christ today and you'll be in Christ. Everything changes. Your future is good and there's a whole new life ahead of you to live. It's not going to be an easy life. But it will be eternal. How you doing building today? Building on Jesus and His words. We're under an inspection right now. Maybe there's some things you could throw out. And ask Jesus to lead you in doing something new in your life. And we're going to sing a song here that's going to help us bow the knee together. But I just want to remind you, when you're out there, that's when you want to answer that question. Do I bow to Him? Let's stand and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to sing about Jesus. If He is all we have, it's okay because He is all we need. We thank You for His words. They have taught us, shaped us, have led us to decisions and faith. Thank you for his help. Being a good shepherd who never leaves the sheep, who's by our side, showing us the way, comforting us, healing us, strengthening us, protecting us. It's our great privilege and honor to bow to him today the one who gave his life so that we could have life. The one who had no sin, who took on my sin, our sin, so that we could be forgiven and receive his righteousness. It is by his blood that is shed and by the testimony of what he has done in our life that we are more than conquerors. We are victorious. Even if the ship goes down, He will get us home. So Lord, I pray that You would meet with each person today. Whether it's a step of faith into Your hands with their life, believing that Jesus did all of this for them and that He promises everlasting life, that you would help them and show them how to take that step. If it's building differently, 
We've listened too much to the voice of the world and the experts there. I pray you just very simply help us take a step back, read and do what's right in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a world that's out there, Lord, that's dark. And it's hurting. It's hopeless. Their solutions are not solutions. But you've given us the knowledge that Jesus is the answer. So as we we go back out into the world, Lord, shine your light through us. Let your love flow through our, our words in our hands and our feet. Help us pick up our cross and follow you so that you might get the glory. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, thank you. Lord bless you.